Hello everyone and welcome to Man Up, the men's mental health podcast. My name is Andy Richardson and sitting quite far off is the trend setting Tommy Danqua. How are you, sir? Well, I'm fine. Thank you very much for asking. A trendsetter, though. Where, where did that one come from? Do you know what? It's, it literally was the first thing that came into my mind. So you must be trendy in some sort of way. I feel like I'm setting trends out here. I mean, um, the obvious one being that I'm probably the only black guy in the village. It's quite a trend that I'm setting. Um, yep. Other than that, I don't really know what to give you. I'll take it. Though. Yeah. Trendsetter. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, <clears throat> did you notice at the beginning of the podcast, I said, rather than say the UK men's mental health podcast, I said, I just said the men's mental health podcast. Wow. That is because uh, we are truly international. And especially on this podcast, we are truly, truly international. We've got, we've got the UK, we've got the former, uh, we've got someone in the former USSR um, <laughs> block. <laughs> and we've got someone from Colorado, but we'll talk about that a little bit later. Amazing. But we yeah, are, it's amazing. We? we are international indeed. We are we're growing. We're venturing out. We're spreading our roots. Yeah. Why tie ourselves to the UK? Anyway, um I suppose first things first. How the devil have you been, sir? Um I I, I noticed that you had quite a momentous time um on instagram this week uh, do you want to tell the listeners about that well yes i do i i in fact buckled under the immense peer pressure from the uh from the man up group the uh the weekly talk that we do and um i took part in a cold water swim but not just any cold water swim it was actually snowing when i did it so i went out into the wild water in the snow and i did it so i believe the water was zero degrees to minus two degrees and i did it the water was zero degrees to minus two degrees. now <clears throat> correct me if i'm wrong if the water was minus two degrees it would be ice never let the truth get in the way of a good story right no, it was freezing, mate. It was absolutely freezing. But I, it, right. It was very, very cold. And, but do you know what? It wasn't, actually, I'm going to lie. I was about to say it wasn't that bad. When I was sitting here and I'm warm, it wasn't that bad. But actually, when I was doing it, it was painful. It was really, really painful. So I did the traditional way where you have a sauna first and you really heat up your body, uh, get nice and warm. And then you run and go to the water and off you go into the water. Now, what I've heard is that most people, they sort of just dunk themselves in quite quickly. So they're in and then they come back out. Um, I, you know, this was not knowledge that I was, uh, you know, prior to. So I sort of waded in there, slowly tip tapping in, letting the water rise up into my body. And it was awful. It felt so cold. And literally once I sort of got in there up to my shoulders, my, my body started cramping up, like really freezing and cramping. And I was just like, oh my gosh, I'm not going to make it. But then luckily I remembered some Wim Hof techniques that uh, some of the guys had told me about. And uh, yeah, I managed to survive it. I'm, I mean, I'm still alive. I'm still here. But would I recommend it? Mm. Would I do it again? Uh, uh. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> if, 
if you did die on Instagram Live, we would have got a lot more hits, wouldn't we? I know. Um, that would be selfish of me. That was really selfish of me. The thing what I could have done for, for us as a brand had I died on Instagram. I'll tell you what, it was, it, was quite, it, was quite, it was really funny to watch. You um, Check it out. I think it's on our Man Up page. It's definitely on Tommy's um, Dead End Dead Instagram page. But um, at one point, um, he shouts out, my eyeballs are hurting, <laughs> which, which really cracked me up. My eyeballs are hurting. My whole body was screaming. It was screaming. But you know what, though? It's another experience. And talking about health benefits, when I came out, again, it was, it was that feeling of accomplishment, like that I'd mastered, you know, all the things that go through your mind, the fear that, oh, my gosh, it's going to be terrible. Oh, my gosh, it's going to be the worst thing ever. I'm not going to survive it, bloody blah, blah. But you sort of conquer that, don't you? So, again, it's like that getting over those mental hurdles, those mental barriers, and I feel tougher. In fact, I probably feel like I could, I could probably do like marine training now. That's how hard I am. Steady. Steady on there. Steady on. <laughs> Get back in your lane, mate. Get back in your lane. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you, just oh, that's... Cold, you just had a cold bath, mate. Calm down. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, you do more than me. I mean, I've tried it a little bit, and um, I've, you know, it, it's, I don't know why, it's, it really triggers me. Even getting in the shower, at the moment, if I get in the shower, it really, the shock to the system really um, sort of makes me feel a bit weird at the moment. Um, I think I'm going through, I, I suppose it's because of this lockdown and uh, the, the the sort of poor light, uh, the, the length of time I'm not able to see people. I'm, 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 I'm sort of definitely, I've got a little bit of a slight dip at the moment. Um, it's not, I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not that worried about it. I've got lots of coping techniques to deal with it but um i'm I'm definitely uh definitely not at full ebb at the moment if i'm honest with you tommy i have to say sorry to hear that sorry to hear that no it's fine it's it's fine you know it's like i say it's it's just it's just a dip um one thing that really really helped uh me yesterday and um and a, a week before was uh you know i wanted to like sometimes I watch something before I go to bed, you know, and it might be something like a horror film or something, which obviously doesn't induce great sleep. Um, but I, um, I found uh, this uh, so so recently on on the BBC. And um, apologies to people who are listening to this elsewhere other than the UK because you might not be able to get it. But Michael Palin from uh, Monty Python. He's done a lot of travel programs through the years, and there's been a series um, which is like a retrospective of those travel programs. And you know what? For an hour, you can just escape into his company. He's like the warmest, friendliest, funniest man. Yeah. He travels the world. Um, you get to see him. These lovely moments of interaction where he meets uh, different people from around the world. And Simon Reeve, you know, the travel um, explorer, he, 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 there's got loads of people commentating on it. And Simon Reeves really summed, summed it up. And he, he, he said, you know, no matter, you know, where you go in the world, if you do a lot of traveling, you realize that the default um, modus operandi of a human being is warmth and friendliness and openness. He said, you know, the the, the, the people that uh, are, are the nasty people, they they take up all the all the, the headline space. But, yeah, it, you know, he said about 90, 95 percent of people are just nice and warm and open and friendly. And you really discover that when you're traveling. And so there's these really lovely moments with him uh, interacting with people he can't understand and they can't understand him, but just through gesture and things like that. And, um, 
you know, it really, really sort of gives you an up. So I would really recommend that program to anyone who wants a little bit of an upper. Oh, nice. And what's it called again? It's called Michael Palin Travels of a Lifetime. Nice. I'll put that on my yeah. list, even though I'm not yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah. So that was that. And then quickly, another thing that I um, was listening about the other day um, was a f- new football team called FC Not Alone. I guess this class is this sort of classes as mental health in the news. Um, <laughs> I love your jingle. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Um, so there's a new football team um, that is known as a mental health football team. It's called FC Not Alone. FC Not um, Alone. Like yeah, and, and um, just check it out. Just type it in Google. And, um, yeah, it's the first football team of its kind that's actually um, started to uh, promote mental health and, and the mental health of its players. So um, maybe we'll get mental health uh, football leagues. You never know. That would be amazing, wouldn't it? FC not yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah. Check it out. Check it out. And bravery. I yes. like that. Okay, yeah. well, look, I think we definitely need to uh, look into this a bit more. Um, it was another big event. You've had um, a busy week, haven't you? Because you, it was your mother's birthday as well. Yes, it was my mum's uh, 60th. And, um, well, I was going to say if she's listening to this, but she probably isn't. I don't think she's ever listened to any of these. But if she is listening, um, happy birthday, mum. Uh, we had a great time. We we, we did a, like a, a, a Zoom thing and... Um, I got uh, someone, um, a friend of mine, who won the golden buzzer in Britain's Got Talent, Lifford. I got him to sing her one of her favourite songs. And we had some of her old friends on there. I did an interview with one of her old school friends. Um, it was really great. It was, a, that was, yeah, I have to say that was a massive highlight of my week. And um, a real reminder that sort of old friends and family are really sort of, uh, you know, keep in touch with them. Keep on the good side because they really give you a, give you a boost absolutely yeah. i love that oh happy birthday andy's mummy sharon her name's sharon can i call her sharon am i allowed well what else are you going to call her this is Richard. <laughs> <laughs> oh. anyway right okay we, we we've waffled on for 10 minutes now and our guest uh, has got up especially early for us because it is 7 30 a.m in um, colorado where he's based so Carlos, um, he basically, uh, he like Tommy mentioned, he first sort of came into our um, radar because he, he joined our weekly Man Up uh, Men's Mental Health Check and he appeared on there and uh, we were like, oh, who's this fella? And um, he was great. He, he basically, um, well, what he is, he, he's, he's the director of uh, business development at a place called the Family Care Centre, which is a service that takes care of um, people in the military service and veterans. But himself, he's been um, over 20 years in the US Army, initially as a tank operator, but then he went on quickly to uh, to be a psychi- psychiatric um, technician. Mm. Um and he's worked for about yeah twenty five years in the mental health field, and he's had uh, four deployments in the Middle East, um, in combat employments in the Middle East. That means he's a badass, um, doesn't he? I mean, it means he's a total badass. That's what that means. Just like my um, like, fang there when I said badass. 
Uh, that was very good, Tommy. I'm very impressed with your collection. <laughs> <laughs> so um, he's got a lot of amazing things to say about, um, you know, how veterans cope with uh, mental health, with PTSD, um, how we should look after people that have been through traumatic events. Um, and so without further ado, Carlos, how are you, sir? Good morning, uh, Andy. I'm good. How are you guys doing? And Tommy, how are you guys doing? Oh, thanks, mate. Uh, we're doing really well. Thanks for joining us. Really good to have you on the podcast. Oh, I appreciate you guys asking me. You know, I, I, I like you guys mentioned, I, I met you on the um, your weekly check in, and I was literally just saying, "Let me check out what this is about. Let me see if I can talk about you know the family care centers." I didn't know you guys were based in the UK, but I really, really enjoyed being and meeting you guys. Oh, nice. Oh, that's great. Yeah. So, well, yeah, well, 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 thanks for coming on. Can you, um, can you tell us a little bit about your background? So, you know, like what made you join the army? What was your, what was your sort of, you know, your, 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 your upbringing and then how you joined the army, that sort of thing? Yeah, sure. Uh, so, and being a Gadget International, so when I say a state, uh, hopefully people can track along, but uh, born in Oklahoma, which is kind of a, uh, Midwestern, Southern state. Um, and I joined the Army because I went to college and I realized college is very expensive and the Army will pay you to go to college. So I did that. Uh, I became a tank mechanic, not an operator, which means I worked on tanks. And I was in the field all the time and I just didn't want to be away from you know family. Um, so I decided to be a site tech uh, and work with people in a hospital setting. And I did that for, again, the next uh, 20 rest of my career. And as you progress in the military, you do less and less patient care and you do more and more administrative stuff. And I realized I really enjoyed working as the administrative part of that, helping the people who help the people. And I've done that my entire adult life. I uh, got out of the military, became an administrator for behavioral health at one of the hospitals in military hospitals, uh, came to Colorado Springs, Colorado, uh, became the director of military programs at a hospital here. And then now, as you said, I'm the director of business development for a family care center. And I just, this is a great mission. You know, these, these people that we help, they're our brothers and sisters in arms. Uh, it's not a job for me. It's I really want to take care of these people because I, ex I know exactly where they've been, what they've been through, and uh, what it's like to be deployed away from your family. And even now, as, as we go through the holiday seasons, um, you know, I've, I've missed a lots of Thanksgivings. That's an American holiday. I've missed lots of Christmases and lots of birthdays, lots of anniversaries. And, and it takes a really, it just it wears on you, you know, because you're, you don't have, family's a big thing to me. I'm Mexican. Um, and family's a big thing to lots of people too. But, you know, you, you have to just deal with not being around family for those kind of things and it's it could be tough for sure for sure and then so, so why because you mentioned that the <clears throat> the tank you know being out in the field as an operator got a bit sort of frustrating and you didn't see the family but why do you think you what drew you into the sort of psychiatric care um <laughs> part of the army sure you know it's actually kind of a funny story um i was in the as again a tank mechanic and i was gone and so I went to my reenlistment guy, my reenlistment NCO, and said, I am tired of being in the field. I want 
a hospital job so that I don't have to be in the field all the time. And he's like, what do you want to do? Like, uh, I don't know. Uh, I'll be a, a physical therapist technician. You know, that sounds fun. And he said, okay, cool. We can get you into school. It's going to be next year. And I'm like, nope. What do you got that soon as soon as I can go? It's like, well, we have a school for psych tech in three months. I'm like, I'll take it. What is it? <laughs> so I had no idea what I was getting into, but, you know, I realized that I was actually very good at it. And I, I, uh, I enjoyed helping people. I enjoyed listening to them. I thought I could really relate to people again, you know, being in the military, I have that instant credibility with been there, done that. Yeah. Uh, so even today, whenever I talk to, uh, to veterans and they tell me how, you know, how crappy something was downrange or, you know, in Iraq or, I'm like, yeah, I was there. I, I know exactly what you're talking about. I, I know exactly the spot you're talking about. And so that that really helps build that credibility, that that instant um, connection with people so that they can open up and really tell their story and, and get it out. Was it hard being um, from a Mexican background going into the army? Did you find it like any sort of stigma being being Mexican in in, in the U.S. Army? I didn't at all. And, you know, another it's kind of a funny story to me anyway, but I was, uh, you know, lots of, you know, the United States is a big melting pot of different cultures and backgrounds. And I was in Korea one day and, uh, you know, if you've ever been to Korea, they're all Koreans, right? There's, there's very, at least I didn't see a bunch of other nationalities there. And so one, one of the Koreans asked me, he said, are you Mexican? Are you from Mexico? I'm like, no, I'm from Oklahoma. He's like, but you're Mexican. Like, okay, yeah, yeah. We have all kinds of different nationalities in our country. It's, uh, he just couldn't understand it. But yeah, no, it, it was nothing. I had no other, uh, no bad experiences because of that. Yeah, yeah. It's just pretty much the same here. You know, I just, I just, uh, I just wondered really, you know, I mean, who cares where anyone comes from really, to be honest, you know, as long yeah. as they're decent people. Absolutely. And, you know, in the military, we're the first ones in our country to really break the, um, uh, the color barrier. I mean, we had to, the military put all these people together to fight. And that was done before the United States even had those laws allowing that. Yeah. No, definitely brotherhood, right? It's family or sisterhood as well. Absolutely. It's all sorts. Um, I've got a question for you. Um, yeah. You're military trained. I have gone in freezing cold water. Do you reckon I would get into the army? <laughs> Am I bad at it? Carlos, is what I need to know. I need I need that sort of confirmation from a military man. Well, I tell you this: if, if I'm if you calling me a badass, I would not do what you just did. So how does how's yes. that? Oh my gosh! So no, don't tell Carlos. Don't tell him that. You're better than me, Tommy. I wouldn't do it. <laughs> oh God, he's Thanks, gonna. Mate. I appreciate that. Well, there you go. <laughs> it's been confirmed by a military. Of four <laughs> deployments, by the way, no, no less than four deployments. So it's official. It is official. Yeah, the, 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 to, Tommy got into freezing minus two water. The water for, for some reason didn't actually go into ice for some reason, <laughs> even though it was minus two. I'm like, uh, anyway, that was a good, I'm like John. That's a good observation, Andy. <laughs> anyway, me didn't he? It's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. So, so what were the main when you were serving? What were the main sort of problems? you witness firsthand with, um, uh, you know, people's mental health, you know, amongst the troops. 
Yeah, so, you know, when I first joined the military um, and I became a counselor, we saw a lot of, I'm not calling their anxiety disorders, basically. You got somebody who is um, being torn away, not torn away, but someone's being taken away from their family unit, their their close-knit uh, safety or, or, you know, support, and then they go off to across the country or maybe even across the world somewhere, and they're like, I don't know anybody. And it's really hard, and so they just, they don't know how to, to really react. So that's what I used to see a lot of. Or people would come in uh, and they would get yelled at. It's so funny. They would say, my first sergeant disrespected me. He was yelling at me. I'm like, did you ever watch an army movie before you came in? You're going to get yelled at. You know, and then as we got started going to war, you know, we've been at war since 2001. And, you know, I was, I was at war in the Desert Storm, which was in 19, 1991. So we've been to war a lot, right? And this country's been at war for a long time now. And so now you're going, it's, people are going over there and, and they're coming back with PTSD, you know, post-traumatic stress disorders. And they're coming back. And, and the way we do our rotations here in the military is you come, you deploy for a year, you come back for six months to what's called recovery, and then you start rebuilding to go back to war again. And so about every other year, you could be going to war. So I went in 2003, 2005, 2007. And so you don't have time to 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 regroup. You you have all this trauma. You go over there. You lose friends and you lose battle buddies, and they told you to suck it up. And then you you might take a day off, and you got to go back and kick doors in. And then you do that for a year, and then you come back for a year, and you try to reintegrate into your family life. You try to reintegrate into the world, right? And then they say, "Hey, we're going back." And then you it's rinse and repeat. You go back over there, you kick in doors, you lose battle buddies, and then you have to come back and do it all over again. And so um, now you so you, now you have this PTSD and you have a lot of anxiety and you have a lot of sleep disorders and, and a lot of depression. And it's just it's just uh, it's just hard because you don't have time to reset yeah. anymore. What's gonna say? So that's what, oh, sorry, go on. I just say that's that's what we're seeing a lot of is just that the PTSD, the, the stress, the anxiety, uh, depression. We see a lot of that with our our guys who come back now. Yeah, I was going to say because even before you actually painted that picture, I was going to say to you, you know, what's it like knowing that you're home? You've got six months at max. Is you know that sort of feeling looming over you that you're going to have to go back? But you you've answered my question before I even asked it. But you've painted a real. I guess a different picture of what, you know, I imagined PTSD to be like, because I just have seen the movies and seen them come back from war and that's it. But you don't think of that anxiety waiting around, trying to get back into gear, trying to reintegrate. That's a different thing. It's really challenging. It, it is. And what's, what's challenging now too is, so when I went to my first war, um, I literally, I, I made two phone calls. One was in the middle and one was when I was coming home. Uh, now, Everyone over there has, you know, internet connection. Everybody has access to cell phones. So what's happening now, it's making it even more difficult, is uh, so a guy would be over there and, hey, we're on a mission tonight. We're going to kick indoors. Could lose some battle buddies. Uh, we might have, you know, get in a firefight with some bad guys. And then all of a sudden, you get a message from your spouse and saying, hey, I need you to talk to little Johnny. He's not listening to me. So now I'm trying to parent before I go out on mission, I need to concentrate on my mission, right? But now I'm trying to parent too. And so you, you're blending all this um, home life with 
combat life, and it's just that's creating a little bit of chaos. And so when people come home, they're they got they're now like, hey, you've been gone for a year. Uh, you're going to take care of the kids. I'm going to go do this. You're going to do this because I've been doing it all year. I need you to do this because I've been going all year. And so some guys are like, man, I'd rather be back deployed. Mm. I don't have to worry about all the family life stuff. But I, but I mean, surely, <clears throat> I mean, obviously people know roughly what they're going to get into when they jo- when they join the army. Um, is there? Are, are you sort of told that this is how it's going to be? It's going to be you know, one year on, one year off, one year on, you know, that sort of thing? Or is it just a sort of making it up as a go- as you go along? Or is there a, like an actual career path that you're given when you start? So to the first part of your question is no. Uh, you know, I came in a long time ago, obviously, but it was, there was no war going on. Yeah. Which, uh, you know, I told my dad, because he told me not to join, because he's like, I don't want you going to war. I'm like, dad, there's, I'll never go to war. <laughs> And here I am. Uh, but no, so now I think I think people should know that they're going to go to war. When people ask me, hey, would you let your son or daughter go to the army? Or would you would, would you talk to my nephew or my son? I'm like, he's going to go to war. It's just going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think people are, are now know that that's the likelihood that's going to happen. And yeah, when you get in the military, depending on what job you choose, there's always a career path they want you to try to do. And um, but it's really dependent on your unit. Uh, so for people like in my field uh, as a counselor or, or any medical field, some people never deployed. You know, I, I, I guess I was lucky or unfortunate, call what you want, what you want, but I, I was just in the units that went and some people never go. So it's just, it can be different for everybody when they join. It seems like four times for, for you know, being sent out, out into the middle combat regions in the Middle East four times. It seems that's a lot, isn't it, really? That's quite a lot, I would have thought, or is that? Well, it used to be a lot. Um, and now I think it's probably average. Right. Right. What, what um, you know, you've mentioned the sort of prep, the six months you have at home, then you're sort of back into prep. You know, what do you... I mean, how do you safeguard your mental health there? What sort of preparations do they take to prepare you mentally for, you know, going out for another tour? Yeah, um, they really don't. And so, again, I'm, I'm, I've been retired for a little bit, but when I was going those four times, it really isn't anything that they were doing. What we do, whenever we, before we leave, we got to go through a series of um different classes and stuff. So we'll see the medical people. We'll see, uh, we'll create our wheels. Uh, we'll talk to, you know, create power of attorneys. We'll talk to just different people, make sure our records are squared away. Uh, and then we'll see the mental health people. And it's really just say, Hey, how are things going? Is there anything going on? And people will always check. Everything's fine. They go off to combat, they come back and we do the same thing in reverse. We'll say, Hey, is, you know, you check the medical people, you go back to legal, you go do all these things. You, take, you see the mental health people. It's like, hey, are you okay? And everybody will say, everything's fine. Because what happens is if you say something's wrong, then you get pulled aside. And then now there's, a, oh, little Johnny or Johnny, he's something's wrong with him. He got pulled aside by the mental health folks. So there's this stigma. And I think you guys are doing a great job with your podcast and your um, your web webinars or your Zoom meetings to 
try to combat some of that stigma, but there's so much stigma out there, especially in a, in a field like the military where you mm. either need to man up or you need to get out. Mm. And it's just, it's just that way. And, and I think a lot of veterans, once they get out, have the same mentality. So even in the civilian life, they don't want to say that they're struggling because somebody will think that they're weak. But, you, but you've been doing this for, for 20, 25 years. I mean, ha, has it changed? I mean, like, firstly, what's available for, the, you know, the people in the army and the veterans and also the attitude amongst the, the army, you know, the attitude to mental health. Have you seen a change, like a positive change? I feel like I have. And so when I was in the military, the actually um, Secretary of Defense put out a letter saying, hey, you need guys to just destigmatize mental health. Um, stop saying that it's a bad thing. And I don't know if that really helped or not, but I do know that when, we, when you're downrange, we had people come and see us all the time. And, and maybe it's because they had a, a, a weapon with live ammunition in it. Uh, but when we came back to the States and you saw, you didn't see them again. But, but there's more. And so the army put a lot of thought into it. We have now what's called an embedded behavioral team. And so we actually put mental health counselors close to the combat units. So for every brigade, um, there's a mental health team, which is great. That never used to be that way before. You have to go to the hospital to see the mental health people and people know, oh, why are you going to the hospital? And so now the mental health people are in your brigade. So you might be having lunch beside them just because they're in your unit. You don't even know that you're kind of doing mini counseling. Um, and as far as the United States, the United States has put a lot of money into mental health. And, you know, our VA system is still kind of broken, in my opinion, but they have a program now called uh, Community Care. Uh, it used to be called the Veterans Choice Act. And what that means is if you can't get good care at the VA, or you can't get timely care at the VA, or that's not available close to your location, you can request to be seen at a, in a community facility. And so my facility, the Family Care Center, we, we see a lot of veterans using that program. And this wasn't available, you know, 10 years ago. Um, so it's it's got some challenges still. Uh, veterans Choice that started it uh, had a lot of kind of restrictions. Uh, it's been re-signed and redone by, it's now the Community Cares Act, and it's, it's better, but it still has some challenges. But I, I think... Um, there's, I think just a lot of stigma uh, for those veterans accessing care is still what's hurting us now. Can I just say so, Andy, um, Carlos, you mentioned again uh, the thing about live ammo, and you said it before in one of the chats, and I thought it was really an amazing thing that you do. Now, when you say holding live ammo, uh, can you explain what you mean by that? Because the, was it not a thing where if you have your gun taken away, that's, again, something really sort of, you know, emasculating for a soldier. But when you've mm -hmm. got a pro, a, something in place now where they can still carry their guns, you, I don't know exactly what it is. But I think so, well, what I mean is when we're downrange in the combat zone, uh, some people will, um, but you, you, have to have live, you have to have ammo on you because we're in the combat zone, right? Mm. So everybody, every single person who's walking around has to have their weapon with them. And everybody has to have live ammunition on them. So if somebody is stressed out or struggling or suicidal, that guy, that girl, has a live weapon with them. Mm. And so what we did initially, and we, we learned from our mistakes, is we took their weapon away. And you're correct, that emasculated them. 
And so then what we started doing, we said, okay, we're not going to take your weapon away, but we're going to take the ability to fire your weapon. So there's a firing pin inside your, your rifle. We would take the firing pin out and we'd give that to their, their NCO or their you know, commander. And then they could still carry their weapon and it looked like they were like everybody else. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Amazing. So, something so small, but that I can imagine that it could have really helped a lot of people. First of all, you're taking away the immediate danger that they are to themselves if they're feeling suicidal. Yeah. And also you're yeah. sort of, you know, again, not emasculating them. So yeah, well mm-hmm. done yeah. army. I hope that the UK are doing something similar, you know. I I I was I was wondering, I mean, I guess <clears throat> the the most common pretty sort of serious problem that you see I don't know if I'm correct in saying this, it is uh, PTSD mm-hmm. uh, and and trauma. And what what have you in your opinion, what have you found has been the best sort of I know this is not an easy answer, but what what have you found as a sort of best way to treat people from you know who've come back from the field with with ptsd what 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 works the best really in your opinion yeah so my opinion and so i used to run a um a ptsd um residential program so people from all over the country would come to my program with ptsd and what the literature says i mean what the va says is to use prolonged exposure and uh, cognitive behavioral therapy and I hate prolonged exposure. And so, cause what that is, it's a mental, it's a modality where you keep repeating the same behavior over and over again until it stops hurting. And so I'm like, you're going to put this guy in his trauma story every day until he says, okay, it doesn't bother me no more. It doesn't make sense to me. So EMDR, eye movement, desensitization, hmm. reprocessing EMDR. I think that works great. And so, very simply, what EMDR is does is everyone has these uh, for people with PTSD and anybody with trauma. They're going to have an emotional attachment to a uh, a memory. So that could be it's like a car crash. You, you, if you have a car crash and you start uh, sweating and start going panicking, start getting anxiety, you have this emotional reaction to this uh, memory. What EMDR does, and it's very simply stated because I, I don't want to go all the way into it. Um, you're removing the emotional attachment to that memory. So you'll always have a bad memory. You can't stop that. But we can try to remove the emotions away from it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so to me, you know, I, I had all my people doing EMDR with our PTSD guys, and I thought, I think that works great. Okay, brilliant. And then I, I take it there's a sort of comprehensive sort of uh, therapy thing available. Um, I guess, I guess, and, and or medication as well. And every other sort of type type of treatment that's available out there. Is there? Yeah, there is. And you know, you know, what's also in, in Europe, uh, you guys are doing this and I wish we would do it here in the United States. Um, there's a treatment called TMS or transcranial magnetic stimulation. Have you guys heard of that? No, I've never heard of that, but I'm right, writing it down as you speak. Uh, yeah, it's it's very good. You guys do it in Europe, and you guys have been doing it since about 2008 or so. Wow. Uh, so here in the United States, uh, TMS was approved, FDA approved in 2013 for uh, the use of major depression. But in Europe, you guys are using it for um, autism, smoking sensations, sleep management, sleep problems, PTSD, anxiety, 
uh, lots of lots of things. And what it is 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 we're putting a magnetic coil to the brain, uh-huh. and we're putting a magnetic pulse to a specific part of the brain to help activate the receptors and, and make basically a new brain activity. Uh, so this is being used for PTSD, like I said, in Europe, and I think it's it works. And I I wish we would start using that in the United States. We're doing studies on it now, uh, but it's still not FDA approved. It's funny you should mention. Um, <coughs> sorry, frog in my throat. Um, it's funny you should mention the sort of comparison between Europe and the US. I mean, it seems to me like you're ahead of the curve. I mean, I know nothing about mental health um sort of uh treatments in 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 within the forces um but i did have a little check online what's available on the national health service and we have two two things basically um we've got one thing called tils which is health transition intervention and liaison service uh which is a community based service for veterans and those transitioning out of the armed forces um and it tr- provides uh, treatment um, such as, you know, alcohol um, treatment, um, things like that. And we've got um, another thing called um, CTS, which is the NHS Veterans Mental Health Complex Treatment Service. Um, this is a community-based service for ex-service personnel who have military-related complex mental health problems that have not improved with earlier care. So they include intensive treatments such as um, trauma-focused therapies. And so it does sound pretty good. Um, I don't know anything about the availability. I don't know anything about, you know, the effectiveness or, you know, how widespread it is. Um, And I don't know anything about within the actual army itself, uh, you know. um, Do you you know anything about that at all or, or...? Uh, no, I don't. It sounds similar to um, we have some different levels of care, we call it, and we have a, intensive outpatient programs, uh, partial hospitalization programs, um, and those are available, at least IOPs, intensive outpatient programs are available in, in the Army. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the other ones, that we, we have those throughout our country as well, oh, and some of them are specifically helping um, they they gear toward military population, but generally those are just the in our country those are just the different levels of mental health care. Yeah, have you? Um, if you don't mind me asking, have you ever sort of suffered from any um, mental health problems yourself? You know, after sort of serving and seeing all this stuff close up. You know, I haven't, and and I, you know, so again, I, I told you I did the PTSD program, and what I found. This is Carlos's opinion, but it, it kind of held true. Is most of the people who were there weren't there because of uh, combat trauma. Most of the people that were there were because of an exacerbated childhood trauma. So people yeah. who who had a, a really hard upbringing or maybe experienced you know some physical abuse or or some sexual abuse or something. Mm. Once they they made it through you know, their youth and they could join the military. They, they held it back, held it back. And then they went to war and then, yes, now I've got these problems and this is now coming up too. Uh, fortunately, and I had a, had a great childhood. And I, I, I take that as uh, just building some resiliency as a kid. Mm. 
And so having that good resiliency uh, led through to my adult life. But, um, you know, we got a lot of people in our country, you know, it's it's all tied together, socioeconomical, where they're living demographically, and people have different uh, upbringings. Uh, but yeah, I think it has to do with how you're raised and how you're resilient as a kid. So, so what you're saying is that um, by the time you get into adulthood, you know, the sort of age where you go into the army, even though you might see some very traumatic things, you know, you might they might have had friends die, etc. That the real the, the real problems that you see are actually based of, between the cocktail of these triggering events and sort of bad traumatic childhoods. That's that's the real like ignition for 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 bad problems, as it were. Yeah, and that, that's my opinion. So so the childhood traumas, but really it's that resiliency you built up as growing up in your growing up years. Uh, now we have people obviously who who. Their trauma is specifically combat trauma. Uh, but in my experience, it's always been someone who's had some uh, difficulties in their youth. Was actually, there's actually quite a bit of, um, uh, what's the word, research to back that up, actually, you know, childhood traumas and how, you know, a, a later life trauma can really sort of be like the forefront. So I think you're spot on with that. You are spot on with that. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you think? Um... What do you think the UK can learn from the US? What 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 do you think really works there, and what what do you think we we can we can sort of take from that? I mean, um, I know your your practice now, the Family Care Centre. Is that is that like a private thing, or is that a state run program? It's private, right? Private, right. Private. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. We actually well, tell us a little bit about what you do at the Family um, Care Centre. I mean, I, I mean, what. I guess, uh, I guess you exist because there is a lack of something from somewhere else, isn't there? Because... <laughs> well, yeah. So, um, what I so in this community, Colorado Springs, Colorado, we are a large military community. We have five military bases here, and not you know two of them are, are big bases. And so, there's a lot of veterans here, a lot of military families here, and so we exist because. We, again, that been there, done that mentality, we have that cultural competency to say, hey, we can take care of this population because we know exactly what they're going through. And our owner, he's the he was the former chief of behavioral health on Fort Carson. And so he knows exactly what uh, the military people are going through, just like I do, because we've been there. And so, um, well, because we have this big concentration of military veterans, we saw that there was not enough uh, culturally competent providers in town to take care of the veterans. So that's what we wanted to do. And we made it our mission to take care of military families and veterans. And so I go out and I talk to different organizations and just say, hey, here's what we are, and here's what we do, and here's why we do it better than somebody else. I go to veteran events and I say, hey, veterans, I, I feel you. We can help you. Um, I, I go to you know the military bases and say, look, I I feel you guys. I mean, my boss used to be your chief, and so we can take care of your people. Um, and so that's why we exist. And and you know because of our size of our town, we're, you know we're about four hundred fifty thousand people here in the Springs, uh, and we have a small VA, and so the VA just couldn't see everybody and take care of everybody. 
Right. They would send them up to Denver, which is about an hour and hour and a half drive, depending on traffic. And and so veterans don't want to go up there. They want to be here where they live. And so that's why we exist. And the other part of your question, Andy, was what can the UK learn? You know, you guys, when I met you guys the first time, I was, you guys told me about your guys' um, military aftercare. And, and so our VA system, you guys don't have an equivalent if I remember correctly. Yeah, no, you're correct. Because we've spoken to uh, one of my friends and he came out and he said it's like practically non-existent. There's a few, again, yeah. charities set up because NHS can only do so much. But we have a real yeah. problem with, uh, you know, aftercare and lots of our veterans are now homeless and sleeping on the streets and stuff like that. So it's a really quite a dire situation. Yeah, and we have that. Unfortunately, we have that as well, too. And But I think that it's a start. I mean, if you had... A, a service, you know, a high level service that could take care of that population who understood that population and, and, and dedicated to it. And um, I think that's where you guys start as a, as a nation. But I was so surprised because you guys are, you know, basically our, your longest, um, biggest, biggest and longest ally. Mm-hmm. And so I just assumed that we had so many similarities, but uh, that one I was surprised at. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, you're also a board member at the uh, CV, uh, sorry, the Colorado Veterans Health and Wellness <laughs> Agency. CV, yeah, it's me. not a very good acronym for yeah. sure. I'm talking military talk now, Alpha Bravo Sierra. That's <laughs> <laughs> nice um, That's um, What's that? This is healthcare service for veterans. and it's a, it's a free thing, isn't it? Yeah. So what we've done is because there's a gap. So talk about those... Um, those veterans living in, under the bridge, sometimes they don't know they have veteran benefits and they've never been, or sometimes a veteran. So, so we define a veteran in this country as anyone who served a day. If you served in the military, you, you, you dedicated and raised your hand to say, yep, I'll give my life for this country. You've qualified. They're a veteran in this country. And so sometimes they don't realize that they have veteran benefits. And so some people served for like a year and maybe got kicked out or medically discharged out. And so they just think, oh, I, didn't, I wasn't in long enough to be a veteran. Or they think, I was never in combat, so I'm not a veteran. No, you are. So what we try to do with that is we try to get them into our system so they can get care. And as we help them get their VA benefits, because sometimes they don't have the paperwork necessary. So we have to send them somewhere else to get the paperwork to get into the VA system. And while they're all that all that's happening, we're going to provide them free mental health services just so they don't have a an excuse to not get men, uh, mental health services. That's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. So what? What? Um, isn't it? That's what you want to hear. Yeah. Well, yes, I appreciate. It. I'm glad to know that people are appreciating what we do. Amazing. So, so, so what would I mean? This is this is going to be a very sort of uh, open, sort of blanket question, I guess. But if someone was listening to this uh, f- who had served in um, any uh, sort of force around the world um, and they were struggling, what would what would you say would be the best thing for them to do as a sort of initial thing to try and get help? to reach out to a battle buddy. And so we call battle buddies here and I hope I I'm assuming it's the same everywhere you go. Um, but that person who understands where you've been, talk to them. Um, everyone's got a battle buddy. Everyone, anybody who's served in the military is now my battle buddy. 
And so talk to somebody um, who understands. Tell them what's going on. But it's, it's just speaking up and saying, I want help. I need help. Don't, don't let the pride get you. Don't let the, um, you know, I'm a, the stigma get you. Don't let the, I got to be a man. I'm not weak. Get you. Everybody has to take a knee every now and then. And if you need to take a knee more than once, you know, more often than not, you need to go talk to somebody who can help you. Love that. I love that. And also, sorry, for any UK listeners, taking a knee, that's an American football term, isn't it? When you, is that taking a knee or are you using the boxing term when you take a knee? No, the American football term, you're correct. American Good job, Tom. Taking a knee. There we go. That's <laughs> today. That, that's, that, that's not stealing someone's body part. tune in next week (laughs) (laughs) oh okay all right so so we're 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 50 minutes in so we're gonna we're gonna draw this um to a close in a sec um carlos i did i I, I didn't want you to leave without um we had a little chat about it the other day but what do you think of this sort of general uh psyche um in america at the moment do you think do you think people do you think it's um you know are you are you uh, hopeful? You know, with the vaccinations coming along, or are you seeing people? A lot of people suffering at the moment during the pandemic. Yeah, we are seeing a lot of people suffering from the pandemic, and, and um, a lot of people. It's the isolation. It's the you know, it's just there's a lot of unrest in our country, and people are so polarized in this country. And I, I hope I. I'm going to take the vaccination and what I, I hope it'll bring some normalcy to the country uh, because again, now we're on mask orders and, and businesses are shutting down and people are losing their livelihood. And this is, it's just getting, uh, it's just getting bad over here. And so I, the mental health has, has gone, gotten worse because of it. And again, if, if you feel like you need or struggling, and go talk to somebody. And it doesn't have to be us. It doesn't got to be a military specific place. Yeah. Uh, you got a friend, you got a pastor, you got a, a mental health provider. Uh, they can talk to you. Yeah. May I love that. Guys, so listen, if an uh, army vet is telling you to go and talk about it, there is definitely no excuse to do the manning up BS and not do it, right? There's absolutely no excuse. And if someone who's gone in cold water is telling you to talk about it, then obviously you know. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> yes. Cold, cold, but not actually freezing water. <laughs> so colder than what I want to get into for sure. <laughs> oh, Carlos, that's been so. Thanks so much for your time. That's been it's been really, really enlightening for us. Um, yeah. Do I have, do I have a couple of minutes just for a couple more things? Oh, of course. Oh, sorry, sorry. Yeah, I mean, no, you know, I was just assuming that you know we've taken an hour of your time. You want to go off and do all your get on with your day, but yeah, go, go for it. Go for it. Just just a couple more things. So when we first, um, uh, when I've heard met you guys the first time, was it like four months ago or something on your, your man up webinar webcast? Yeah, yeah it was. Yeah. So we talked about, um, the veteran suicide rate and the veteran suicide right here is 22 a day on average. And you guys told me yours was 25 a day on average. Uh, but we got to work to get that down. And so one of the things I said I was doing, I was doing the 22-day push-up challenge. We did 22 yeah. push-ups a day uh, in, to bring awareness to uh, veteran suicide. So I did 25 for you guys, for the UK uh, military guys as well. 
but I've been, still been doing that oh, every day. Amazing. Oh, amazing. So, Tom, if you really want to be a badass, you'll knock out 25 push-ups every day 25. for 25 days. For 25 days. Do you know what? I like a challenge. Carlos, challenge accepted. And I'm going to tag you in my uh, push-up challenge as well. And I'll listen, do it. Listen, okay. listen, Tommy, I do 40 a day, almost 40 a day. Uh, I do it every other day. So 25 a day, nothing, nothing. There you go, 25, 25 days. But I would, but I, no, it's not nothing at all. Of course, it's, it's Randy. You've not got to get back in your lane. Yeah, this is a, this is tough man talk right now. Right? <laughs> but, yeah. But I will, I will, I'll take on that challenge. So, so what we got to do, and we'll make this a, a man up thing. Um, so what we got to do, let's make it from tomorrow, twenty five push ups a day. Let, let, let's up the ante. Let's say thirty a day. Oh my gosh! Right? Because I know you're you're a fitness man, Tommy. Thirty a day for thirty days. So what we had, and I'm in. I'm going to do it too. But, yeah. but what oh, we I- had, what we had to do was we. Uh, the challenge is that you get on social media, you post a a video every day of you doing it oh. and saying why you're doing it. Okay. And so, right. so okay. my Facebook page, I would just talk about, a, uh, um, you know, either a suicide story I knew about or uh, someone who I, I talked to. Uh, so I'm not going to do that again, but if you guys want to do that, um, that, that was part of the challenge. Oh, I see. Yeah. Cause I had a couple, they, we did have it here. There was a few friends doing it. I mean, so I'm going to backtrack slightly because now I know I have to pay, post it on social media. <laughs> that, that 40, I don't do it in one block. I do it in oh, a couple. Really? <laughs> <laughs> it's all gone quiet over there. <laughs> <laughs> it was all loud and brash. You know, yeah, forty. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, so okay, all right. So I might not do it. Let's let's maybe not do it every day, but let's but let's do it at least at least like uh, let's both of us post on there at least once a week, and then and let's definitely do let's do let's do thirty push ups a day for thirty days. Maybe not all in one go. <laughs> <laughs> it's a killer. Oh. But I mean, thirtieth day, Andy, you'll be so in shape, you'll be able to do thirty for your post. Yes, without problems. Yeah, I'm gonna yeah. do it. I'm gonna do it. By the end of it, I'll look like um, Arnold Schwarzenegger's long lost son. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Hello. So, also, where, where, if anyone is struggling, how can they sort of reach out to you? Um, where can they find you? Yeah, so the easiest thing, since you, since this is an international podcast, uh, if you go to our website, our website is uh, www.fcsprings.com. So, so phonetically, that's uh, Foxtrot, Charlie, Sierra, Papa, India, November, Golf, Sierra.com. And, and there's a lot of information on there about the different uh, treatment modalities and TMS that we talked about and um about our veteran services fantastic and what was the what was it you said you had a couple of things so you mentioned oh, what was the other thing yeah the push-ups uh i wanted to wish sharon a happy birthday too oh thank you oh. and then and then lastly since i pumped up tommy already i'm gonna say so that i could pump you up too andy when i first saw you i thought you were robert downing jr 
Oh, the checks oh, in the post. Right. <laughs> saying all the right things, Carlos. You're saying all the right things. I try. Oh God, yeah. I've had, I've had, I've had it said before. I must say, um, and I'm, you know, I'm not going to argue with that. I'm not. I'm, I, I, yeah. So. Oh no. It could, it could be worse, right? Yeah, it could be worse. It could be worse. Oh, brilliant. Amazing. Excellent. Well, and also Feliz Navidad to you um, for, you know, and um, Bueno Nuevo Año because uh, we probably won't speak before then or we might speak before then, but have a good have a good one. Well, um, you guys too. Yeah. Mate, and, it's been a pleasure, total pleasure. Thank you so much, Carlos. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for having me. I really, I really enjoyed it and appreciate it. And I will see you guys on another webcast at some point. Just drop yeah, in. Forward to it. Okay, that's been Man Up, everyone. Thanks for listening. Check you next time.